So the question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets the top agents in our industry hoard themselves, grow and prosper in today's real estate market? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Muchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars. Hi, this is Aaron Muchastegui, and I am back. Happy December 1st. As we are getting ready, we are in the home stretch now for what has been one of the most memorable years I can think of, right? So many ups and downs this year, so many things changing, so much technology, and we are down to our last month of 2020. And I tell you what, I am trying to finish this year strong. Well, today is one of those special episodes where we go through and we re-push the best couple minutes of all of the podcasts we released this month in November. So you can decide if there are any of them that you want to go back and listen to again. So here you go. The first one that we're going to have a couple minutes of is State of the Market 60. This is me interviewing Ari Rostegar, State of the Market 60, Trump versus Biden, his predictions on how election results could impact real estate one way or another. And now that we have a president-elect, it'll be interesting to hear this podcast and see how you might be able to act on it. We've been in the longest bull market in history. We all know that. If Biden wins from a real estate vantage point, there's a lot of things that would create a lot of opportunity. Some of them is distress, okay? Which is a good thing. The market's coming down. People look at as, oh, the market's coming down so bad. We live in a cyclical economy. This is a cyclical economy. So when you have a Fed, right, without getting too much into the weeds, you know, this is how the death cycle works. Like you go in, you have a bull market, it comes down. And there's an old saying on Wall Street that bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered. So the market coming down, or maybe, you know, some of the things that Biden talks about could create huge distress opportunity. Great, buying great real estate at a fraction of intrinsic value that will grow over time and certain things, which is, which is fantastic. There's a lot of arguments to be made. The market kind of needs to come down. Tech stocks are trading at PE multiples that are a little bit scary. Trump being a real estate guy, if he wins, you know, opportunity zones will stay intact as we see them. Probably you'll have your, you know, long-term capital gain taxes, you know, kind of stay where they, right? So there's different reasons, but because of the pandemic and because of this interesting time, Either way the election swings, I still still believe they're going to create massive opportunity, but for different reasons. What's the biggest opportunity in 2021? If someone was going to say, hey, whether it's as an agent or whether it is as an investor or really trying to create this generation. I would would ask slightly. I would look at it. I'd have to clarify. It depends on what we're looking for. Is it a net worth play? Is it a, what's your timeline? Because if your timeline is to go do something and go to distress and you have 10 years, I'm just using an example. Hospitality is destroyed right now. So if you could buy a boutique hotel in a great area for a ridiculously low price, but you have 10 years, people are going to come back to that hotel. If you're, you know, just starting out and you're trying to like, you know, buy your first rental property and start to build your portfolio, I'd be exactly where you are. Colleen, you know, little cities outside of great cities, like sprawl Metroplex of Phoenix is a great example. You can go buy a single family home, finance the thing for 2% and rent it and wait. Right. So it it depends on where, like where, what part of the market that you're kind of, kind of looking at for us. I think the biggest opportunity is vintage multifamily, 50 to a hundred doors, 30 year old plus product, 
near the urban core, but outside the urban core, close to new development that we can do class A finish outs. I mean, I'm talking about gut renovation down to the studs, new electrical, new plumbing, new roofing, effectively creating an annuity, increasing rent, and then putting into agency financing, financing it with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and waiting. Because right now to lock in, we gotta, we gotta, this is gonna, is almost unbelievable. Fannie Mae quoted us 2.4% on a 15 year term with 10 years interest only, non-recourse. And again, if you like that one, that was State of the Market 60 with Ari Rostegar. Next up is episode 936. This was my interview with Colton Simmons called Staying Top of Mind and how it made him Rookie of the Year. Colton's interview is really interesting. He combines doing construction and remodels for his clients, packing that into the sales and having that paid out of escrow later. It's a great value add and a lot of other things that he talks about in there. Here's a couple minutes. So you went four months, no deals, and then you closed out the year with 20 and you had this sphere of influence. But like you just said, your sphere of influence was people you went to church with, people you played softball with, like people that you just were socially, you know, you knew them. How mm-hmm. did you convert that to customers and to clients? And you know, storytelling. Did, did you call always- the people? Did you email them? How did you get, how did you start talking to them? Nope. I'd go out to the softball field and, and I would talk about real estate. Not like, Oh my gosh, you guys, blah, blah, blah. but I would be talking to somebody about a house. I showed like, man, I went and saw this house with a client today and it was a disaster. We're probably going to end up remodeling the whole house for him. And just, and just talking. I wasn't the guy that was in your face talking about real estate. Here's my card. I was just, I would, I would have conversations by design. Like I would always bring it up. I don't care if you're talking about your kid's soccer and I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. My kid's playing soccer too. But the other day I was late for practice because I had to show this freaking $500,000 beautiful house up in Summerlin. But yeah, back to your kid's soccer. Like I would always sprinkle in a little bit of real estate. Oh, that's right. You do real estate. I'm trying to make myself top of mind without beating them over the head with a, with a real estate hammer. Uh, because the way I see it, that will actually push them away because there comes a, there's a fine line between making sure people know that you're a realtor, that you're not an undercover agent and pushing them away with annoyance because all you talk about is real estate. And you're trying to like, Hey, do you have a referral? Hey, do you know anybody that wants to buy, sell or invest in real estate? And it's just, it's it, for me personally, it's a turnoff. So I really tried not to do that. So tell us about what you're doing now. So now you have an additional niche. So somewhere along the line, you made a transition and said, Hey, you've been, you were doing this real estate team, but now you do a thing where you kind of, you help sellers get their house ready by using your construction and your real estate team. What's that like? I was already kind of doing construction services for my clients. Um, Just like, Hey, yeah, you want to clean up the house a little bit for, yeah, I can do this. I can take care of that. Hey, don't worry about that. I'll take care of it. I'll have my guys come over and knock this out. And then I'm watching, what was it? It was something with Property Brothers where they're like updating houses and, and something like the guy, the people are going to find the fixer upper, you know, and um, they, they renovate the house. And I find out, I'm like, how do these people have this much cash to do it? Well, then I find out, no, it's a 203K loan. So they're actually getting a, a loan a mortgage and a construction loan in the same time. And they're funding it that way. So I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. So I started learning about that. And then I go, well, you know what? I look at the MLS and there's so much garbage on the market that have the old Oak counter uh, cabinets, the white tile um, countertops. I'm like, man, these houses are struggling selling for 275. If I went in there and spent 
probably $6,000, just refinish the cabinets in the kitchen, put new countertops on. I could probably get them 300,000. So I tested my theory with a couple of friends that were going to sell their house. And the number one objective that I was getting was I don't have that kind of money, Colton. Like I have equity in the house. That's like my savings account. I have, I don't have $7,000 just to go throw it a quick little remodel before we list the house. So I was like, well, I'll pay for it. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, I'll cover the cost of the, of the renovation. And then you just reimburse me. You got equity in the house. So just reimburse me at close of escrow. You, you reimburse me 7,000 and you'll make an additional 25,000. So you're going to come out profitable on the other end. And they're like, okay. So that it kind of just evolved into what we do now, which is the update before you list program. We cover all expenses. You reimburse us at close of escrow. All right. And if you like that one, that was episode 936 with Colton Simmons. Go back and listen to it again. Next up, we have State of the Market 61. This is Biden's housing plan, the K-shaped recovery and real estate. This is me talking about all of the different things that I think are going to happen as a result of the election and what we can look forward to. I think the biggest news that I read today that it's on you know, CNN and Fox News and any of the places that you look at is if the Senate is, has majority Republicans and Biden is the president, we will probably not see any substantial tax change for a couple of years. And I, I think that is one of the reasons that the stock market went up a few days ago as things were starting to go in. It was kind of the realization that when it comes to taxes, the over the next few years, we'll probably see more of the same. You know, one of the other news pieces we saw this week was the big announcement that, hey, there's a vaccine that is almost ready. And the, the stock market really, really liked that. We saw airline stocks jump way up. And I tell you what, from a personal level, not a news, news level, from a personal level, I really hope the world gets to open up again. I really hope we get to travel again. I really hope that we get to go places. And, the, and from the looks of that was there's a lot of people are starting to have hope too. Next one I want to get into. This article says Biden and his vice president pick Kamala Harris have a lot on their plate to say the least, but here's some of the things they're going to be doing. And it highlights several things. It highlights they make changes in affordable housing and housing discrimination laws in rentals and evictions and housing related taxes, homelessness, 1031 exchanges. It's a few big things on there that I think the, regardless of if the Republicans have a majority in the Senate, these are things that I think the president does have the power to do. So the, the Biden campaign's housing proposal pinpointed the dearth of housing supply as a driving force behind the affordability crisis. In response, Biden has pledged to invest $640 billion in housing over the next 10 years. Among other things, that plan would be to provide financial assistance to help hardworking Americans to buy or rent safe, quality housing. So as you look into that as an agent, well, that could give you hope for the entry level buyers. So if they are going to put money into first time buyer programs again, and to help people buying housing, put, you know, infusing money into people so they can get started to be able to buy uh, a house without having that savings, that's, that could make a big difference. Again, a bunch of interesting articles today, and I am just so glad to be back and talking to you guys. You know, when I had my interview last week, I told every, I reminded everybody I've been gone for about a month. I was driving around the country in an RV trying to see what was going on everywhere. And it was amazing to see that some states were doing amazing and some states were struggling significantly. And from place to place, everybody had, like we've said, the K-shaped recovery. 2020 has been different for everyone. And some people would say it was, it was a great year. And some people say it was the worst year of their life. And it depended on the city and it depended on the state and depended on their job, depending on the things they like to do for fun you know, and being able to go improvise and try to change that. So the, I am excited that 2020 is almost over. 
And man, I am really excited about the fact I am hoping that by the time this year is over, politics and elections is something that is not all over the news anymore. And we're getting to focus back on how do we take our businesses, find new opportunities and continue to grow them. And again, if you liked hearing from me on that one, you can go back and listen to State of the Market 61, Biden's housing plan. Hi, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. And I am so excited to share with you our newest head podcast sponsor. You know, and this is a company called Rent Ready. Rent Ready is a landlord tenant software that has everything you need to manage your rentals from your phone or your computer. No need to be tech savvy, download multiple programs, or hire a specialist. Rent Ready is easy to use for everyone. And if you do have a question, their customer support team is available to make sure managing your properties doesn't have to be harder than it already is. Rent Ready has a feature for every step of the landlord process. You can list your vacancy for free to realtor.com and doorsteps, find quality tenants with a full tenant screening process, send and e-sign leases right from the app, and track maintenance requests. Yes, there really is one app for all of that. Best of all, not only is Rent Ready easy to use with awesome customer service, but it's affordable as well. Get a subscription of Rent Ready for as little as $1 a year when you sign up for their annual plan using code ROCKSTAR. That, now that's crazy. A dollar a year, why wouldn't you go sign up just to see, even if you've got one tenant or want to try it with one of them? So that's right, you get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $1 when you sign up at rentready.com. It's spelled R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com using code ROCKSTAR. Next up, episode 937, The No Pressure Approach to Real Estate with Robert Paulini. So this was a great interview with Robert. So he went through and he talked about how to gain trust with people, how to become their friend, and how to get their business. Great episode. Have a listen. Yeah, I think when you're when everyone's in a crisis and you've got that fight or flight issue, I think the biggest value is trust because people are afraid. People don't know what to do, if they should, why they should. So if someone's using, you know, web bait or advertisements or even door knocking or cold calling, you're not really breaking the threshold of that trust factor in the eyes of the consumer. But when you have a relationship, when people trust that you have the capacity to do what you say you do and they already trust you and and they already know you and like you, it really sets the tone for for transactions and even if they aren't even sure if they're going to do it, they just want to know if they can. The moment that reality hits that they can, if they can, then they're, they're ready to move right away. So it's trust that fuels the, those reactions when you have relationships. Do you have any ideas of a, like a quick way to build trust? If somebody kind of trusts you because somebody else told them, hey, you got to go talk to Robert, and you're having a conversation with a new client now in this, in this world, what are some of the things that someone can do to try to build trust early? That is a very good question. So if you want to build trust with your clients, with your database, with your sphere of influence, do things that are you and that are, help them to get them to like you. Be yourself. Just add value as far as earning the likability, having fun with them, you know, whether you're showing houses or you're at a listing appointment, you know, you're not nervous. It's not all about the numbers. I'm always trying to crack jokes. I'm, I'm always seeking ways to make people laugh, you know, because I know once they get to know the real me and they like me, then the rest is a slam dunk. The trust will come. 
I love, I love that as yes, in times of crisis, people need trust because they're uncertain and they're uncomfortable and they're going to go with who they can trust. So the, so Robert, tell us now, let's go into more detail about your book. So you wrote your own book about how a guy like you can go from, you know, 6 million to 20 from average to great. And the, and you took the best parts of those other books and combined it. So just, just tell us about your book. What's in it? How does it go through that process? And what, if somebody goes and reads it, what are they going to get out of it? Well, it's in three stages. You know, one is the power of thinking and how to think, right? Because everybody thinks their own way, and it's based on quite a few things. But success has a very particular way to think and, and look at things. And then also that converts into mindset. And mindset has always been huge for me. And, but I know there's elements involved in real estate sales and even marketing that require a little bit of an edge above and beyond being, you know, the Mother Teresa of real estate where I'm just so happy and there's no problem. And it's like, we're, you know, I'm burning incense or something. It's more or less being honest with myself and others to identify the need and come up with a solution that's best, you know, for them. And, and that is the, the gist of the book. And so even the, the chapter about negotiating, a lot of people, just the word negotiating, you almost have to be like a, like a Harvard debate champion. But to be honest with you, good talk has an acronym, the T-A-L-K, and it stands for tr- uh, truth, attention, listening, and kindness. And those are the four pillars of all communication, including, and it's most impactful in negotiating. And I got it from a book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, who is a beast. But I kind of translated it to with mirroring and labeling, and we can get into that too, with the client. I also call it, you know, know, speaking without words. It's almost implying that you understand uh, using techniques like that. So even things like negotiating, which are so impactful, I needed to get the information out to the world that says, you know, you, you can do it this way and really succeed. All right, remember, if you liked that one, that was a few minutes from episode 937 with Robert. Next up, State of the Market 62, how a COVID-19 vaccine could impact real estate markets. In this one, I go through and I dissect a bunch of the articles that were in Inman and Bloomberg and Yahoo News so you could figure out how that can apply to you today. First article was in Inman, this was a week ago, it says delinquencies continue to rise across the country. CoreLogic reported a 2.9% rise in mortgage delinquencies in August compared to last year. It says the hit comes primarily from late stage delinquencies. Mortgage payments that are late more than 90 days are at 4.3%, up from 1.3% last August. In one sense, I'll tell you, okay, that's bad news. So it's three times as many delinquencies, so 4.3% delinquencies. But those numbers are actually much smaller than some of the news that we've seen over the last few months of how many people went into forbearance and were missing payments. So when I saw that number, that actually made me feel better about the market than I had been saying. Now, they've got some pretty cool graphs on here. And when it says to those that are you know, 30, 30 plus days overdue, so it's pretty common for people to go 30 days in the default. Last year, it was 3.7%. This year, it's 6.6%. So twice as many people are 30 days behind. But at the same time, when right now they have told so many people they can pay, they can forego making their payments and worry about it later. You know, the fact that the numbers are only twice what they were when right now it's kind of okay to be in default, the number wasn't as bad as I was expecting it. All right, here's another one though. And it says, what a vaccine could mean for real estate US housing market. 
It says an effective vaccine could mean a spike in interest rates and return to some pricey metro markets. So what do you guys think about that? It said the news of an effective vaccine, which in turn means a potential light at the end of the tunnel, would obviously be good news for the economy overall. The early week spike in equity markets as a result of the news provided clear evidence of that hypothesis. An effective vaccine, according to Redfin chief economist Daryl Fairweather, would mean more employees would return to work sooner and consumers could spend money in ways that would have been too risky during the pandemic. A strong economy is generally good news for the housing market as people are more likely to buy home. There's one caveat, however. A strong economy also means interest rates may start to rise. Mortgage rates have spent the pandemic settling almost weekly record lows. News of an of approved vaccine is likely to the higher mortgage rates, which could dampen buyer demand somewhat as affordability also becomes more of a challenge. She doesn't expect a huge pullback in buyer demand, which has been quite strong. So that's really interesting, right? So now we'll have, if the economy gets better, mortgage rates go up a little bit. We've already seen prices go up a lot. Now, mortgage rates, as they've gone down, have offset the pricing. But will prices stay high if the rates start to go back up a little bit? Also says, how will it impact migration trends? Rich Barton, CEO and co-founder of Zillow, believes this great reshuffling is here to stay. Simply put, people want to move. People are still you know, going through that suburban boom. Much of it was discussed about the suburban boom that fueled the hot housing market. But many of the underlying trends could be here to stay. Uh, it says, will agents return to open houses and in-person showings? The pandemic has not only changed where people want to live, but how they buy and rent homes. Lenders in the field have been clear that many of the trends like 3D tours and digital closings are here to stay. We were just talking about that, digital closings, but we'll see some of the old ways once the vaccine is approved and made readily available. Franco believes that it will take a while for open houses and showings to resume as normal just because the rollout of the vaccine will not happen overnight. Some buildings are going to continue restricting showings and public access. They're not going to go back to the way they were, at least immediately. And if you want to hear more pieces of those news, remember, go back and listen to Stay the Market 62, how a COVID-19 vaccine could impact real estate. Next up is my interview with Jamie Gruber. This is episode 938, Small Changes, Big Results, Multifamily Millionaire. You know, Jamie talks a lot about habits and success. Here's a couple minutes of that interview. One of our themes of 2020 out there for all of our listeners is you guys, we've been trying to say, hey, we need to diversify. What we learned in 2020 is we need to diversify. Does it affect your day job? Now, are you ever working at you know in, in your job and in insurance and all of a sudden you miss a couple hours of your normal work job because you have to go this or have you been able to do your side job on the side for say? I used to get dragged away here and there, but as that became kind of untenable for me, not even because of the day job, because I can build flexibility into my day if I need to, but more so because, well, if I want to scale this thing further, if I want it to become bigger, I can't, I can't be responding to all the little things that happen on a, on a day-to-day basis. So we've you know, hired property managers, brought in the right maintenance people, put different systems and processes in place, you know, management software that we can leverage to, for, for maintenance requests that go right to our manager. So put things in place that allow us to, or allow me, I should say, to you know, avoid the interruption throughout the day. But on occasion, something pops up for sure. But for the most part, I'm able to kind of do my job and let this stuff build on the side because I committed myself to systems and processes. Yeah. So how many doors do you have now? We have 42 total doors. So 42 doors, that, that is so awesome. And, you, and it started with just buying your first house. Now let's talk about mindset stuff. What have you, what's happened to you during 2020 when it comes to mindset? And when it comes to like the people that are joining Emerge, what do you guys, what do you guys go into when it comes to like mindset and growth and taking times like this as an opportunity? So when I, when I went into uh, COVID and all that was going on, it felt like everything was sort of crashing down around us. I sort of doubled down on, on routines and habits and in particular, my morning routine. So one thing I committed to was every morning I get up and I do a few things, starting with meditation. That's kind of my lead domino. Start with that. And it goes into 
journaling and working out and stuff like that. And I kind of doubled down and recommitted to that to the point where I think I had 180 days straight every day, weekends included, of going through my morning routine. Because when when you're when you're restricted to your home and you know you can easily roll out of bed and get to work, there's no commute, there's no drive, there's no you know interaction like you had before. I could feel myself slipping into shorts and a t-shirt all day, or um, you know just not not sort of putting in as much energy as I would have because it just felt like you were home every day. So that was a big thing for me was just doubling down on the routines and habits that served me to get me to where I where I was having success. I guess it is nine months. That's funny. Nine months after I committed to something and with with uh, with whatever I wanted to do. I learned a lot about habits. I learned a lot about how habits serve you and how those one little that one little thing you do every day, small little change that you make, be it uh, an addition or something you take away from what you're doing currently that doesn't serve you. Like all of a sudden you look back three, six, nine, 12 months later, and it's amazing how that one little change compounds just like interest into something really, really big and great in your life. Yeah. And we, and a lot of our real estate agents and our guests have been on here been saying the same thing, right? Find that habit and go for that habit. In the news this week, there's been a lot of talk about people going back into lockdown, you know, another two, four, six week lockdown, depending on cities and states. And so Jamie, let's talk about those, the specific morning habits. So if we go into another lockdown or for places that we kind of are, or for times like this, what are four or five morning habits that you think everybody should do? And if they committed to this for nine months, they would see huge results. Yeah, I think it all, I think you have to start with quiet and quiet to me means you, you have, you meditate. I meditate for 10 to 30 minutes, depending on the day, just allowing yourself to kind of, kind of be quiet and, 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 uh, and think inwardly and be present. I mean, that's what meditation is about. It's not about, you know, I have to have my mind clear all the time, but I've found it's such a great practice to when you feel distracted, you notice it and you bring yourself back. That just translates into a lot of life. When you're in a stressful moment, you notice it and you sort of, you can take a deep breath and overcome it in that moment, as opposed to being overwhelmed by the feeling of stress. So meditation, number one, I think is huge. The other yeah. quiet activity I would say is journaling. Like I, I never really believed in the power of this, like writing stuff down. And in fact, when I started journaling, I was doing it like in an app and it was fine. But when I truly started handwriting out just whatever's in my mind, like I won't share it with anybody because it's crazy stuff and it's all over the place, right? Yeah, it's it's, like it's just brain dump. It's just thoughts. So journaling that stuff out in my quiet time, and it's amazing how you get clarity and sometimes figure things out that seem so big within one page of writing. So that's a second thing I would say. Third, I think you need motion. So getting your body up and moving and working out and all of that, I think is a really big, uh, a really big part of my my morning and sometimes the midday, depending on if I can't get to that, get to it that morning, kids wake up. Uh, and lastly, I would say is truly uh, uh, affirming yourself, so like some level of affirmation or positive self-talk. Those are the, probably the big four. Add into that some level of reading or listening to a podcast, just 20, 30 minutes a day of something kind of positive. You know, you know, they say garbage in, garbage out. It's the same thing with mindset. It's good stuff in, good stuff out. You get motivated on a daily basis and you can really take take down a lot of projects or take down a lot of things, goals that you've been try, you know, setting for yourself and trying to achieve. So yeah. I think those are the four to five things I would say each morning. All right. If you want to hear more from Jamie and how you can make small changes in your life for huge amounts of success, go back and listen to episode 938. All right. And here is a couple minutes of our last podcast we featured in November. It was episode 939, Rental Management Made Easy with the founder of Rent Ready. You know, I wanted to have Ryan on so he could talk to you guys a little bit. I mean, you guys will recognize the name. Rent Ready is our newest big sponsor. But I wanted to talk to the guy, the CEO that created Rent Ready. He created it out of need. And it's really a fun story. Here's a couple minutes from that episode. 
I think the story behind it is this kind of happened by accident. It happened out of need because you were like the ideal user for Rent Ready. Tell me about how that started. What's the story behind that? Interestingly, I mean, it's, it started more actually on just purely the application side of things. Um, Rent Ready itself really goes end to end, but it started out with just applications. Um, and like you said, it was from my personal experience. So I was a renter in New York City. I'd found an apartment on a listing site and went and looked at it and realized I need all of these documents for my application and all this information. And I kept having to redo that for different landlords and different agents. And it was really interesting to me that it, it seemed like there just there must have been a better way than these agents needing to continue to follow up with different people to get the same information or wait for that same information, likewise for the landlord. So um, initially it was just an uh, application app for myself and friends to put together um, the things we needed to be prepared to go to these these units. And quickly, uh, landlords and agents came back to us and said, wait a minute, our side is mostly pen and paper and spreadsheets as well. Um, can you make it better on our side too? And so that's where we started building and building more to you know, add in the tenant screening and automate that to put in pre-qualifications so that you know, agents could meet with the best five people instead of necessarily the first five people that reached out to them. Um, and then from there, you know, expanded into uh, paying rent and maintenance and all of these different pain points that we got really stories from landlords and, and their teams that we got along the way to really build out everything that it's become. Yeah. What are your biggest goals with Rent Ready? I, really, the biggest one is, I mean, the, the thing that makes me happiest to this day is when someone reaches out and tells me how much it has impacted them or their, their tenants. So the overarching goal is truly to make the entire rental process from the day it, it needs to be listed until you know the day that lease ends easier for everybody involved, for, for landlords, for agents, for uh, tenants, for even the maintenance people involved, just everybody to have um, this seamless experience that addresses all of these pain points that a lot of landlords and the, and agents and maintenance people have experienced uh, and, and in our case have shared it with us. So we've yeah. had a chance to now say, okay, you've told us what, what's wrong. You've told us the way it should be. Let's just make that and give that to you and then stop having the issue. <laughs> yeah. All of our listeners, the, not all of them are property managers yet. Not all of them are investors yet, but all of them are entrepreneurs. All of them kind of run their own life. They run their own business and they've got different partners and different strategies. What is, what is one or two things you've learned as being an entrepreneur that you could give as advice to other entrepreneurs, the of things that they should be focusing on or, or how to grow or attitudes to have? Yeah, I mean, one in particular that, that I think is interesting is that, you know, whatever you start out expecting it to be like, a lot of the time it will, it will never end up that way. I mean, in, in my particular case, it was trying to design a tenant-only application. Um, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you know, you fast forward and you're end-to-end, -end, it's landlords, it's agents, it's their tenants, and being able to pivot and make those changes, you know, not just in a time like COVID, but just in general, understanding um, that things will change throughout that time. And kind of coupled with that. And really the second piece is that almost everyone always has a client or a tenant or somebody that they're working with um, or that's using their service or product. They are by far the best source of knowledge you can possibly ask for. Because if you ask for it, a lot of the time 
they'll tell you exactly what they want and exactly the way they want it. And even if you ask them, well, how would you envision actually making this possible? They have some awesome ideas of how to make that a reality as well. And so that's, I mean, that's one thing that that I've done. It's something I will always do is just try to, we are talking uh, just about like getting into the chat itself and really reading through about what people are asking for and why. Um, But I think you can apply that if you're an agent talking to different tenants, um, you know, and maybe the tenant doesn't want the unit, trying to get a little bit of information about why is maybe you won't sell that particular tenant, but you'll know you'll set yourself up well for the next one you speak to. And I feel like it can be applied to anything. All right. Now, if you want to, if you like that one, you want to go hear the rest of that episode and learn more about Rent Ready and how it came to be and what they're trying to do, finish listening to episode 939. But that is a wrap. That is the rest of our episodes that we published in November. And like I started this podcast saying, happy December. We are less than a month away from a new year. And for me, that's something special. I love celebrating the new year with new goals and a new me. And you know, my 2020 goals are all out of whack. I went through and I looked at what I was hoping to do and a lot of stuff I, I got done and, and other stuff I wasn't able to come any anywhere close to it. I was not able to travel and do some of those things I wanted to. I had a lot of pivots a lot of substitutions, and I'm really looking forward to changing that up for 2021. So happy end of the year. Hopefully you like this podcast. If you did like this podcast, if there was something out there that you love, be sure to share it with a friend, tell other people about it. We are the largest podcast out there focused on real estate agents and more agents need to hear us. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.